Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I am Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, we're going back to high school. Yes, yes we are indeed. And this week, surprisingly... After uh, a couple of weeks of, you know, gimmicks galore, this is a non-gimmicksy episode of Shoot what? the Flick. What? No gimmicks? <laughs> no guests, no gimmicks, just a regular old Frankie shows Scotty a movie he's never seen before. So we're not throwing knives at the dartboard trying to guess a movie? We're not, you know? No, no. It, it's not a Disney movie. It's not fucking Jaws on Mother's Day. It's just a movie that is totally normal. That was parodied by another movie that basically took the entire plot. Oh, God. I'm so excited to talk about this. Okay. This is a movie I grew up on pretty much a, a lot. I watched it many times as a youngin. This is She's All That, released in 1999. Oh, it, yeah, baby. Is she all that? Is she? Is she really? We'll find out today. I thought Amanda Bynes was in this movie. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he asked me that. He's like, wait, which one is that? Is that the one with Amanda Bynes? I'm like, no, dear. That would be She's the Man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where, with Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. Uh, I never saw that movie, but yeah, this movie, I, I can guarantee, is far superior. She's All That is a movie I grew up with quite a bit as a, a young teen tween chick. And uh, it's so very 1999. <laughs> oh, yeah. Holy cannoli. From the real world to Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, God. Rachel Lee Cook. Oh, God. It just it never ends. Fatboy Slim. Oh, Rockefeller Skank, baby. Oh, God. All right. So <laughs> I, I feel like because 10 Things I Hate About You was released the same year as this, I feel like this movie gets overlooked a lot because I feel like everybody loves 10 Things I Hate About You. Mind you, neither one of us have seen that movie. <laughs> so I, I've said before to Scott, one of us has to watch that movie and whoever gets there first has to show the other one on Shoot the Flick because neither one of us have watched it. Also, you got to look at the time frame. It's 1999. Yes. When this these movies come out. Neither of us are high schoolers at that point. Right. But mind you, like I said, I watched this many, many times growing up. So, you know, it, it's one of those movies that was very much around in the 2000s. Yeah, I feel like these. this is one of those movies that would have gotten picked up on, like, Comedy Central. Yes, and I believe that's absolutely true, actually. it was. I watched it probably a lot on Comedy Central as a kid, along with Not Another Teen Movie, which is a parody movie that was based heavily on the plot of this movie, along with a lot of other like 80s, 90s teen movie tropes. It starred Chris Evans as our Freddie Prince Jr. surrogate, which is kind of hilarious looking at how far his career has gone. I, I loved both of those movies, actually. But yeah, it's funny because Scott watched this movie for the first time and has seen Not Another Teen Movie like 100 times, and he's like, wow, they really copied... She's All That to a T. I'm like, yeah, it's a parody, essentially, of She's All That. <laughs> With, like, a couple of other things thrown in right, and changed. Yeah. Even to the point of Rachel Lee Cook's running. <laughs> She's like... Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, well, that would... Actually, they made fun of that in Scary Movie with Sydney Prescott, because Sydney Prescott also ran with her arms flailing about, and Anna Faris, Anna Faris made fun of that, too. But, yeah, 
it's just it's the 90s man what can you do uh but this i feel like is a a great example of scott's theory that like all the movies that are in either the beginning or end of a decade kind of are stuck between the prior decade and the future decade like this is very much a late 90s early 2000s vehicle oh yeah if you told me this came out in 2001 i'd be like oh yeah of course it absolutely did. yeah and we have a lot of late 90s early 2000s superstars in here a lot of which had like crazy careers after this like scott was watching the opening credits and with every person he's like oh my god this guy's in it this person's oh my god that's so crazy yeah it's honestly like a who's who of these people's like first or second movies pretty much yeah even some of them like you don't recognize like little kim's in this and frankie had to point her out to oh me. yeah it was really funny because she doesn't show up until like halfway through the movie because uh, they have the typical like teen movie tropes and one of them happens to be like the black best friend and uh <laughs> gabrielle union plays the black best friend for like half the movie and then she gets pissed off at the villain girl so she's like leaves halfway through the movie for a while and then lil kim just shows up basically to replace her as the black best friend and i'm like look it's lil kim and he's like oh shit <laughs> well yes it's true with the trope of the black best friend but at least there's more than one african-american in this cast in this school Oh my god, we're gonna talk about it, but if anyone listening to this has ever watched Daria, the quote-unquote popular black couple in this movie reminded me so much of the black popular couple in Daria that was like very aware that they were tokens, but just kind of went with the flow. It was like, well, we might as well take advantage of the fact that we're tokens. Isn't it great how they keep electing us homecoming king and queen every year? Yes. It's such a generous and enlightened gesture. It completely makes up for the town's utter lack of diversity, in my mind. And we're playing into it. Damn college applications. But anyway, we're going to get into the cast in just a second. Uh, Let's get into some fun preliminary facts with She's All That. So it was directed by Robert Iscove. And if you don't know who that is, it's totally fine. But he was responsible for a couple of really, like, (laughs) top-tier... fucking 90s 2000s cinema we have on one side of the spectrum the brandy cinderella tv movie that came out in 97 which if you haven't seen it i know scott hasn't don't worry eventually we're going to cover it on the show because it's fucking amazing and then on the other end of the spectrum we have the the classic 2003 cinematic masterpiece known as from justin to kelly oh god (laughs) that was directed by this guy so um yeah that's about the ballpark that we're swinging in ladies and gentlemen and uh the movie was written by r lee fleming who was behind a lot of television mostly but he also wrote the 2021 remake which we'll talk about very briefly because i didn't fucking watch it i thought about it I thought about watching He's All That, and then I was like, hmm, do I want to torture myself? Not really. I'm going to just be happy instead. (laughs) But apparently, She's All That is sort of an adaptation of the play Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw. Some more cinematic adaptations of this play that are more well-known probably would be My Fair Lady or The Duff, if you want to go a little more modern. But yeah, this was kind of a hit in the 90s for sure it had a budget of 10 million dollars and a worldwide gross of 103 million dollars interesting so uh yeah it definitely 
it, it definitely got the kids rushing to the theater for the cool vibes. <laughs> well, these are those types of movies, and Blumhouse does this very successfully now. You produce a movie for... I'm saying $10 million is a small budget, but it's a small budget. Comparatively to other things, yeah. You get lucky, and it just becomes a hit, and you make a lot of money off it. Blumhouse right. does it now. Like we're, I think they average produce movies that are like $6 million. Right. And all you need is one to one make... One to shoot off, and then you're good. But yeah, for some reason, they held off on making a remake of this until 2021. They made a Netflix remake with uh, the kid from Cobra Kai and Addison Ray of all people, and it has an even lower critic score than the fucking original, which the original does not have a great critic score of like 42% and 55 with audiences. I mean, that's about right. This isn't really a movie that you have to scratch your head about and like analyze very deeply. It's just a typical kind of high school teen movie. If you had taken this premise and put it in the 80s, during like John Hughes era of teen movies, it would probably fit right in, you know, given a change of scenery. You know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely the- fits into that typical teen drama shit. But you know what? It's fun. There's not really a whole lot I can complain about with this movie. Like there's some stuff that you're like, okay, come on, guys. Yeah, it moves pretty quickly. And uh, it does what it needs to do. The only thing I can really complain about is that fucking dance number. Oh, we're going to talk about the fucking dance number. <laughs> There's a fucking musical dance number in this movie. It's fine. We're going to be okay. Um, <laughs> and maybe we'll make a high school musical reference. Who knows? What I'll say going into this is that really th- this is a romance film, a teen romance, you know. So really the only thing that this movie had to do with absolute certainty is get the chemistry right. And they got that, for sure, with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel E. Cook. Some actors, I feel like, get chemistry with their co-stars very quickly. Yes. I think Freddie Prince Jr., I think he has chemistry with most people he acts against. Yeah. Like, I don't think chemistry's ever been the problem with him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because if you think about it, I Know What You Did Last Summer was around this time. That was Jennifer Love Hewitt. He was good there. Obviously, he had good chemistry with Sarah Michelle Gellar because that's his wife in like the Scooby-Doo movies. And then you have this movie. So, yeah, I, I don't think the guy's ever struggled with charm. He even won a Teen Choice Award for this film for Best Actor. So it, it makes sense. But, yeah, we've talked about this before when we do romances. The top thing you really have to do is find two people with chemistry, and that will carry you a long way even if the story or the movie as a whole isn't the best and i feel like this is a prime example of that on top of the teen choice award for freddie prince jr she's all that also won a kids choice award for favorite couple over some pretty infamous 90s movie couples including um mike myers and heather graham from austin powers 2 and hugh grant and julia roberts for notting hill Okay, well, that's also because... Mind you, this is children, Scott. Don't get too upset. No, no, I'm not going to get upset. (laughs) It's a kid's choice award. Relax. No, this movie is definitely aimed more towards a younger audience. Right. And let's face it, Notting Hill, as much as I love Notting Hill, I've always loved that movie. Kids aren't going to watch Notting Hill and get like the subtle British humor of Notting Hill... That's true. This movie relies on much more sophomoric humor, like using terms such as wiggage 
there's a few moments of that in this movie where like oh this this was clearly written by an adult because no teen even in 1999 used the word wiggage i kept when he said to that to wig <laughs> when he said that the act of wigging <laughs> oh my god when he said wiggage i'm like where's paulie shore oh my god where's paulie shore going hey grindage <laughs> let's get some grindage Ew. All right. So uh, let's let's jump right into this thing. Babe, you ready to get into the nitty gritty? Let's get down and dirty and find out if she really is all that. Oh, God. So uh, the first maybe 10 or so minutes of this movie is just introducing all our characters. So well, that's exactly what I'm going to do to start us off here. So first, we meet our quote unquote ugly duckling of this movie, Lainey, played by Rachel E. Cook. Okay. Let's start here. Let's, sure. Let's, let's, let's do it, Let's Scott. just start right here. You cannot tell me that Rachel Lee Cook isn't beautiful. No. But babe, she's wearing overalls and glasses. <laughs> like, that's the thing about the ugly duckling thing in any of these movies. Not just this one. In any of them. They're all very attractive women for the most part. Yes. And it's very difficult to be like, oh, we're going to try and hide that this woman is attractive. I'm like, it never really works. No. Oh, Rachel Lee Cook isn't good looking. Or uh, Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. My Fair Lady. Exactly. Isn't gorgeous. She's ugly. (laughs) (laughs) She's such an ugly duckling. Yeah, they're gorgeous. This doesn't work. (laughs) But uh, for the purposes of this movie, she's ugly. And she's an artist, so she's weird. But uh, we meet her in the morning, getting ready for school, we meet her little brother, Simon, played by Kieran Culkin, who we actually talked about not too long ago because he was Wallace in Scott Pilgrim. He was. We also have Lainey's dad, played by Kevin Pollock, who really, uh, <laughs> Scott was laughing about it because he's like, Kevin Pollock just randomly shows up in this movie now and again. And you kind of forget he's in it until he just shows up and does like one joke and then leaves for a while. <laughs> like he's not really very present in this movie until he has to give like the supportive dad speech towards the end. And then that's pretty much it. <laughs> they try and paint off like, oh, he's the workaholic dad because he's now a single father too. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. But like, yeah, Kevin Pollock kind of floats in and out of this movie. But uh, then we meet our main man, Zach, played by Freddie Prince Jr. We also meet a bunch of his friends. He's, he's the popular guy, right? He plays soccer. He's cool as fuck. Kind of the twist on the popular guy trope, I guess, would be that he's actually really smart. And his sort of personal arc throughout the movie is that he can't make a decision about what to do about his future very similarly to troy bolton he doesn't know what he wants to do in the future he doesn't know what college to go to he just doesn't know if he should stick to the status quo or not But we meet him. We meet a couple of his buddies. Dean, played by Paul Walker, which I I always forgot his name going through the movie. Whenever I wrote my notes, I just wrote Paul Walker does this. Paul Walker does that. So probably I'm just going to end up calling him Paul Walker. And we also meet his other friend, played by Dulé Hill, who uh, his name is Preston in the movie. And Dulé Hill 
is a man after my own heart. We love Dulé Hill, but Scott really loves Dulé Hill. One of the things I wanted to say about him was that West Wing actually started the same year as this movie. <laughs> so, yeah, this was a real moment for Dulé Hill. I, I do love him in this movie. I do also love that we gave the black guy the whitest name possible. Oh, Preston, yeah. <laughs> Preston. I'm like, oh, God. And they gave him a little fro, too, which I was like, all right, guys, come on. <laughs> but Come yeah. on, give him a break. But uh, Dulé will always be burning Guster to me. True, true. We love him in Psych. And didn't Rachel Lee Cook play... She was also in Psych, yes. The main guy's girlfriend at one point yes, in Psych? She, That's she, kind of funny, too. But yes, we meet some popular girls after this. We meet Zach's girlfriend, Taylor, played by Jody Lynn O'Keefe, who I know her from having a pretty prominent side role on Prison Break, the TV show. But ah. she's kind of a character actor. She has shown up in a lot of different places over the years. We also talked about Taylor's crew, including Gabrielle Union, who also did Bring It On the year after this, which is like, oh, that's like prime Gabrielle Union 2000s goodness. But we meet some other people in the school, including the campus DJ, who was played by Usher, which when this movie was released, he was actually nominated for a Grammy at that time. But he ended up losing to, of all people, Stevie Wonder that year. <laughs> so he didn't really have much of a chance, I guess. But yeah, he was a young baby-faced little Usher. And most of his filming was in a dj booth with no one else there and then he shows up at the prom to do the musical number bit i feel like he probably was on set for maybe like two three days <laughs> oh well yeah i'm sure the in studio stuff was like a day uh the only person i want to really introduce before we get into actual plot stuff is uh eldon henson which scott was very surprised to see foggy he plays Jesse, who is uh, Lainey's BFF. And you know what? For some reason going into this, I thought I remembered it being kind of like a, a kind of stereotypical relationship between Jesse and Lainey. We're like, oh, he's the nerdy guy best friend, but like he's secretly in love with her. I thought it was that, but it's not. He's just genuinely her BFF and is looking out for her. He's constantly like kind of nudging her towards Zach which is, I thought, really sweet. I was like, it's nice that they don't do that stupid trope where, like, oh, the nerdy best friend's in love with... They didn't make him ducky. No. That was nice. No, they basically stated at one point, am I kissable? And he literally goes... No. <laughs> like, but you're basically, you. Basically, no. <laughs> like, you're you. You're, like, my sister, basically. Yeah, they're, they're like brother and sister, almost. There are a couple more people to introduce, but we're going to get into the plot now and really start chopping it up. So we open it up... On a, just a normal day in our senior year of high school. You remember senior year of high school, don't you? You didn't give a fuck. <laughs> well, at this point, they're like, oh, there's only eight weeks left. I'm like, oh, we were done at that point. Yeah, we were all fucking done. So apparently over spring break, Taylor and a bunch of her girlfriends had gone to Florida and they ended up on some like MTV fucking spring break show and Taylor hooked up with some fucking douchebag that was like a host on this spring break tv show he used to be a contestant on the real world when they made a reference to the real world i was like yes we are truly in the 90s like holy shit oh my god people still cared about the real world but this guy's name is brock and taylor lets zach know that she's breaking up with zach to be with brock because he's so cool and famous or whatever, you know. Famous like the people from real world were famous. <laughs> so Brock actually is played by none other than Matthew Lillard. 
And uh, he's definitely a highlight of the movie because he's just being, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, Matthew Lillard goodness. Like, he's just in his element (laughs) at this point. (laughs) So it's funny because I wanted to look up how many movies freddie prince jr and matthew lillard have been in together apparently it's five that makes sense yeah that's insane that these two have been in five movies together we actually have talked about matthew lillard before because he was in hackers i love hackers so much but that was back in 95 and then scream was 96 and then of course he's probably most known as shaggy in scooby-doo and stuff so yeah matthew lillard's the shit we love him, but he plays an absolute douchebag in this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's the guy who's obsessed with his 15 minutes of fame and can't let it go. He's what's-his-name on now, the real-world world rules thing that ha- has been on it for 25 years. Oh, Johnny Bananas. Yeah, he's basically Johnny Bananas. Let's put it that way. I, I guess that's the best comparison we can make, yeah. So when Zach's friends are giving him shit about Taylor dumping him right before prom, pretty much, six weeks till prom, Zach and his friends are fucking around and he's like, all right, fuck you. I don't need Taylor. I can take any girls to the prom and make her the prom queen. So this is where we get the bet, which is the whole premise of this movie. And now another teen movie. Yes, also that. Paul Walker decides to pick out basically the most hopeless girl he can find for freddie prince jr to make prom queen and that's the bet and if he makes her prom queen he wins the bet dule hill being the calm cool-headed dude that he is he's like oh i don't think this is a great idea this sounds a little sketchy maybe let's not do this but then of course zach and paul walker totally ignore him and they're like ah fuck it let's do it so Paul Walker, I need to emphasize this because it's going to be important later. Paul Walker decides to choose Lainey as the subject of this bet. And at first, Zach is like, oh, no, man, come on. I don't want to do this thing with her. She has glasses. She wears overalls. That are covered in paint. Oh, she's so horrible. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So now the whole plot really begins. This whole premise is okay we have the spec going zach has to get laney to basically become popular and be the prom queen in six weeks okay got it cool so zach immediately starts pursuing laney she kind of blows him off immediately he ends up going to her job at this falafel place and he basically pesters her so much and jesse kind of pushes things along he's like oh she's performing tonight at this the little indie theater you could come check it out you can take my ticket do you you think jesse is like i've seen this show i i I don't want to go back yeah i don't want to watch this weird show because the show is very odd but that's i mean that's you know the comedy of it all so laney agrees to let zach come to this indie theater production that she's a part of and it's very odd, very avant-garde. <laughs> There's one portion of the show where she kind of comes out with all the people on stage and just swaying back and forth saying like, be silent, be still, be silent, be still. <laughs> it's like awkward and Zach doesn't know when to clap. It's just, it's like cutesy kind of awkward humor. They do light a can, like, they, there's fire in this trash can on stage. I'm like, that would have totally set off the sprinklers in this yeah. small theater. <laughs> but um, in an attempt to embarrass Zach, she kind of calls him up on stage to 
do something she's like oh you wanted to know more about art well here you go like do art for us so he dance gets on monkey, the stage dance. yeah basically oh my god and he gets on stage and he doesn't really know what to do and i told scott prepare yourself for the most 90s thing you're about to see so he reaches into his pants <laughs> oh god he pulls out a hacky sack oh no don't let it drop sack <laughs> and proceeds to hacky sack while kind of reciting like He's improvising like this beat poem essentially about, oh, there's all this pressure, which like makes sense because his character is like under a lot of pressure, senior, what to do with future. Uh, so he talks about, don't let it drop. Everyone's counting on you, Zach. Don't let it drop. Don't ever let it drop. And then eventually the hacky sack drops and he's like, it's just an awkward silence. And he's like, eventually it has to drop. And everyone claps. <laughs> it's so stupid. And Lainey's like, oh my God. Shit. <laughs> okay. And like, she's kind of into it. Like she laughs it off, but like he obnoxiously tries to flirt with her. You have beautiful eyes. And yeah. He's like, do you always wear those glasses? You should take them off. Your eyes are so beautiful. And she's like, Jesus Christ, you fucking suck. Okay, bye. But Zach doesn't give up. Of course not. Because he's Freddie Prince Jr. So the next day he shows up at her fucking house. <laughs> and it's like, hey, want to go to the beach? And Lainey's just like, no. Stalking is bad, Zach. Stalking is not great. Um, but in this movie, it's charming because he's cute. And... <laughs> Well, maybe he just looked her up in the phone book, Frankie. Oh, okay. You okay? You want to <laughs> talk about that? Fine. <laughs> when we were thirteen, Scott wanted to call me, but he didn't know my number, so he looked me up in the phone book, like we're in the Stone Age, and he called my answering machine, and he left like a two or three minute message without saying who he was. So my mother, my mother hearing the, this message is like, who the fuck is this boy looking for my daughter? And then because I had a, had a crush on him and my mom knew this. So as soon as he said the words, oh, this is Scott, my mom runs to the phone, grabs it, hold on, please, runs to the, runs to my bedroom and is like, it's Scott. I was like, what the fuck? Okay. Hi. Uh, yes. Oh, such such cutesy bullshit. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, a romantical history. Oh yes. You you were pretty slick back then. You're still pretty slick. I don't know. Uh, oh, shit. I don't know. Nah. Anyway, um, so yeah, so Zach shows up to Lainey's house and he's like, uh, well, basically you're going to the beach with me or I'm just going to stay here and play Sega with your brother because he's younger and he's like, you know, he's he looks up to Zach a lot because he's popular, cool guy. So she's like, I'll get my suit. <laughs> God fucking damn it. And they go to the beach and they're seemingly having a nice time at the beach until Paul Walker shows up. Paul Walker shows up and I mean this whole movie he basically plays like the douche popular guy which is also Freddie Prince Jr.'s character but he's our main character so we see more of him as like oh he's got a heart of gold well it's it's the he's smart right yeah I think even Paul Walker says it like you walked around here like the king 
And I'm like, he is the king. He is Freddie Prince Jr. He is the prince. But once he actually starts like talking to Lainey, like it's a different side of him. Yeah, because it's fun. I was trying to like pinpoint the moment. The, yeah, because at one point after this beach day, you know, they play volleyball together. Some of the popular girls and Lainey and Zach and Dooley Hills there. Paul Walker's there. And they actually have like a nice time, which is cool. Then afterwards, Paul Walker invites them all to a party, including Lainey. And, you know, she's like, oh, no, I can't. I have to clean my house. Sorry. Wah, wah. But eventually, you know, of course, we're going to talk about it because it's a big part of the movie. But eventually they do go to the party. And Lainey's at the party with Zach. And he talks to Paul Walker alone at one point. And he's like, oh, you clearly you're into her. And Zach's like, well, it's just a, it's just a bet, dude. So I think even at that point, he was starting to like her, but... I think the point where it turns is where she leaves the party, but we'll get there. Oh, well, yeah. That's that's a big point in the movie, too. I always felt bad watching that part. So, okay. Before we get to the actual party, there's the makeover scene, which is, like, a huge part of the movie. It's, like, the part of the movie that not only not another teen movie parodies, but, like, a lot of teen girly movies kind of parody. So we actually have an appearance from... Zach's sister, Mac, who is played by Anna Paquin, who is, of course, Rogue from X-Men. Yeah. This is obviously before that. I, I really liked her character because she is sassy and like a smartass, but also she's really nice. And she actually ends up kind of bonding with Jesse at the end of the movie, which I liked. I liked them together. I was like, oh, yeah, they get together at the end. I totally forgot about that. But Anna Paquin takes Lainey upstairs and does a little makeover. She cuts her hair. She tweezes her eyebrows. Puts some makeup on. A nice red dress. All this great stuff. And we have the infamous walking down the stairs scene. Where she reveals her beautiful makeover. And it's over, of course, the song Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Kiss me. a great moment and then she of course is relatable as fuck which we all love her for because at the very last step she trips and falls into freddie prince jr's arms i was like oh this is me oh i always loved that oh while this is going on though Mm -hmm. while the makeover is happening freddie prince jr grabs the jv soccer team oh yeah and forces them to clean her house yeah he's like oh you had to clean your house which of course she didn't because she just didn't want to go to the party <laughs> but he brings the whole jv team over to her house but to as clean the house as they're cleaning the house kevin pollock's watching jeopardy and getting every answer wrong yeah oh he's i love that part it's and, just so random and at one point one of the kids says the right answer and Kevin Pollack looks up and finally notices all these kids cleaning his house. He goes, who are you people? <laughs> so we go to this party scene and a lot of people are there. It's at Dooley Hill's house. Taylor shows up with Matthew Lillard and he acts like a complete buffoon and basically is embarrassing Taylor. But she's drunk too. So she's just a complete cunt extreme. And there's one point where Freddie Prince Jr. is in between Taylor and Lainey on either side of the room and he sees Taylor like lock eyes with Rachel Lee Cook and she like storms over to her it's like what are you doing here and like purposely spills beer on her and just embarrasses her and 
Lainey says, oh, thank you. Now I know why I avoided places like this and people like you. And Taylor just eviscerates her. And Rachel Lee Cook starts to cry. Taylor's like, oh, what, are you going to cry? Oh, you poor baby. And Lainey runs out and she does the run where her yeah, arms she does are the flailing. flailing run which is a little okay honey <laughs> but i mean she's in heels she's awkward in heels i guess Th- that's fair but i love this scene because it's a good scene but also i found it always funny that she clearly fake trips in front of the house there's a bunch of cobblestone over the house and you can see her feet like literally walk over the cobblestone but then trip over nothing and fall on the floor <laughs> and of course freddie prince jr runs after her and she has like a really emotional moment where she's like, I promised myself I would never let them see me cry. And as any kid who has been bullied in school, like, you know, that feeling and it's just, it, it hits home for you. She plays it really well. And yeah. you can see Freddie Prince Jr. He also plays it really well. He feels so guilty. And like, he almost kind of has like a realization of like, Oh, us popular kids are kind of dicks sometimes. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, a lot of the time, but fuck. The, but, but the other thing is, Preston is actually like legitimately trying to like be bring- nice. Yeah, not they're not all they're different levels of dickishness. You like ha- Gabrielle Union is actually genuinely nice to racially cook. Like she seems to genuinely like her. Yeah, so there's Preston because Preston because yeah. at one point Preston when they go to the beach first, she's like, "Hey, Lainey, do you want to play volleyball?" And the, one of the mean girls goes, "No, she doesn't." And they're like, "It's your name, Lainey." Yeah, like what the fuck? And then that bitch is like, "Oh, no offense, Lainey, but you know, I've seen you in gym class. You run like a girl." And Rachel Lee Cook's just like, "I am a girl." <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Though I hope she doesn't run the track like that, where she's oh just my like, God, imagine. <laughs> "No, she definitely walks the track." Listen, she is my people. We walk the fucking track. <laughs> We don't listen to the gym teachers when they're like, you know, you have a really, you have like 14 minutes on your mile. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I am strolling this mile. Fuck you. Oh, God. This is the only place where I feel like the classism kind of really gets brought up. Well, yeah, because Taylor at one point says like, isn't your dad my pool man? And she's like, I wouldn't know. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Kevin Pollack does bring it up later. He's like, I have a house. I raised two kids, but I put food on the table. Like, it shouldn't fucking matter right, what I like do. Right, like, I should be ashamed of that, because why? Because I do pools? Like, everyone in this fucking town probably has a fucking pool, because they're all rich. Oh, yeah, he Kevin... probably makes good fucking money. Oh, yeah, Kevin Pollock probably rakes in the money. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't live here if they didn't have money. Why? Because they don't fucking flaunt it and, like, have five cars or whatever. Like, fuck you. He's a single dad, so fuck you. But, yeah, so the party didn't go great. Um... <laughs> But yeah, this is the point where when she when she's crying in front of Freddie Prince Jr., mm-hmm. I think that's the point where Freddie Prince Jr. fully turns because he he sees more of her as a per like she has a thing throughout the movie where she cuts people off. She really blocks a lot of people out, understandably because she's been through some shit. So we cut to the next day, and Lainey's chatting with Jesse. And he's like, how was the party? She's like, I don't want to talk about it. But then slowly but surely, she sees people are chittering and chattering under their breath about her. And she's like, what the fuck's going on? And then, lo and behold, we see that Lainey has been nominated prom queen alongside Taylor. So there is a rivalry, a Bruin. And it's funny because it's kind of supposed to be like a mystery of who... Who nominated her? That's she's. That's the first thing she says. Who nominated me? I think most people would just think, oh, Freddie Prince Jr. did. Right. 
But turns out later, it's Gabrielle Union, who at one point was on Taylor's side and telling Taylor, Taylor, don't be a cunt, because if you're a cunt, you're going to lose voters. Right. But Taylor's like, I'm a legacy. I have all these women in my family. They were in prom queen. And I think Gabrielle Union at some point just got sick of Taylor's shit. So she's like, ah, fuck it. I'm, and she likes Lainey. So she's like, fuck it. I'm nominating Lainey. <laughs> it comes out later during the prom scene, but you don't even remember that it was a mystery at that point. So when she says it, just throw away line like, oh, yeah, I, I nominated Lainey. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot we didn't know who did that. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, all the people who aren't the popular kids are all like, oh, yeah, she's their hero. I would say this whole school is pretty lax in general. I mean, there are multiple times where you see students just smoking cigarettes on campus. And you're like, I don't think you can just do that. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember in our high school, you had to walk just off campus for kids to go smoke on the corner in front of somebody's house. Yeah, I'm sure that whoever lived in that house loved that. Loved all the cigarette butts <laughs> on their ground. Yeah, really, Jesus Christ. But yeah, Zach and Lainey, meanwhile, while all this is going on, they continue to bond. He comes over to her house one time and sees her painting a picture inspired by her mom who had passed away when she was very young of cancer. And she talks to Zach about that. And he talks to her about all the pressure that he's under from his dad to go to University of Albuquerque. I, I mean, to Dartmouth. Sorry. <laughs> I got mixed up with High School Musical again. <laughs> <laughs> turns out we're not all in this together no <laughs> um but yeah they have this really cute moment and i think like i said earlier i think the thing that really kind of sets this movie apart from so many other teen movies so many 90s 2000s romance movies rom-coms what have you is the chemistry between freddie prince and rachel lee i think they're both good actors also. I think they take material that's on the paper and elevate it a little bit with their performances, like that party scene where she runs out and he's yeah. comforting her. There's also a couple other moments where the acting kind of elevates the writing on the page. But also, I just think their chemistry is really cute. Yeah, it is. She does a really good job playing the like closed-off person who's slowly opening up. Yeah. And these aren't new concepts, no, by no, the way, no, no, like no, the no, kid, no. the senior guy struggling with, you know, not being the popular guy anymore and having a future. Obviously, since we mentioned High School Musical, it's obviously not a new concept. Same thing with Lainey's character concept of being like the closed off girl that's, you know, she's kind of tough and she's been through some stuff, but nobody really knows the real her. It's, you know, it's it's like the basket case from fucking Breakfast Club. It's essentially the same vibe so while these concepts aren't new they're still done really well so it works well yeah you have to put just enough of a twist on them to make them interesting like making freddie prince jr actually like super intelligent adds a little bit to that that character but this is the point in the movie where zach and laney almost share a kiss and it's like a really cute moment you're like <gasps> Oh, they're going to kiss. And then right at the last second, Lainey kind of makes a joke where she's like, oh, you're not just doing this to get my vote for prom king, are you? And then it feels like in that moment he stops and he's like, you can kind of see the wheels turning in his head like, fuck. Like he's starting to feel guilty about this whole bet thing. Well, he's like, I, fuck, I can't do this. Well, I think 
he has at this point before she brings up prom king mm-hmm. i think he has forgotten about the bet like, i think that's part of it too yeah i think he is in this moment and he's like he's gonna kiss this girl and then she brings up prom the memory comes back and the guilt hits him like a freight train i i completely agree and then he runs off and actually at some point after this i think zach and dean aka paul walker they sort of had a falling out because he is making fun of zach essentially for still having like a little thing for laney and like oh that that's why you're not doing so great at soccer man because you're not getting laid oh maybe you should uh you know get it in with laney and zach's like it's not like that dude like shut the fuck up and then he's like oh well if you're not going after her i'll go after her she's you know and he says something derogatory about her and zach just like pushes the shit out of him and like roughs him up and that's when he goes off on zach was like everyone thinks you're the king around here and it's like yeah because he's not a complete asshole and he's actually not a moron like you but okay whatever paul walker (laughs) it's actually a very interesting dynamic because there is this kind of realism to it of arguably like the batman to your robin dean is definitely the robin of these two Mm -hmm. like if you have them as a pair yeah and a lot of times the Robin gets jealous of the Batman's success of the way he lives, but doesn't always see everything about what the Batman has to go through being that figure. Right. And, you know, we have to have an asshole in movies like this because, you know, we're all teens here and some teens can be real assholes. Oh, yeah. Speaking of asshole teens, Taylor gets dumped by Matthew Lillard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's kind of hilarious because she like is sobbing in the car. <laughs> well, oh, she broke. He broke up with me because he wanted to go do real world road rules challenge. I was like, that's fucking great. He's it's also very funny because they bring this line back a couple times. If Taylor says it twice, and then Matthew Lillard here says it to Taylor. Oh, you thought I was going to stay with you? Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's so condescending. But of course. After Taylor gets dumped by Matthew Lillard, she immediately goes and cozies up with Zach because she's like, well, I want to be prom queen and Zach's obviously going to be prom king. So why don't we go to prom together, babe? And (laughs) Freddie Prince Jr. is having none of it. He's like, yeah, no, fuck you. And Taylor's like, well, I hope you weren't planning on going with Lainey to prom because uh, it looks like Dean has already asked her to prom and Zach's like, what? (laughs) And he looks over and he sees them talking and he storms over to Paul Walker and Rachel Lee Cook and confronts him. And this scene is like, it's so fucked up, but I remember it so vividly as being like, just so like, oh, it made my heart drop and my skin crawl. But this is another one of those scenes where Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr. really elevate the dialogue with their performance because you can just feel everything in the scene like it's it's done really well well yeah because he storms over and basically paul walker goes man it can't all be about this bet that you made and literally pushes the bet completely i was so pissed i'm like you fucking picked her paul walker why don't you mention that you asshole but yeah laney finds out about the bet and it's so bad. She has this moment where she's like, My bet 
Am I a bet? Am I a fucking bet? Fuck. <laughs> and he is just stone faced. Well, you could clearly see like he's almost like choking. Yeah, it's just, he just like, wants to like it. Oh god. It is a little funny. It does kind of just look like the oh god, I'm about to shit face. He does look a little constipated, but like it. <laughs> But like I feel like they act, they both acted really well. Oh no, it's definitely acted well. Because if you're caught in this, like I, I've never been in a moment like this. But if you're caught, yeah, thankfully in a, not. No, <laughs> but if you're caught in a moment like this or something of this magnitude, yeah, you'd have that face of like, oh fuck, I fucked up, because he doesn't want to hurt her. He's fucking at the point where he's protecting her fucking brother. Against bullies in the school because her brother's a little weird. He makes her brother's bullies eat their pubes. Oh, yeah. Well, because they put the pubes on the pizza, the gross school cafeteria pizza. Which probably already had pubes on it. Yeah, it was just so gross. But anyway, after this pretty horrible scene, we get to prom night. And of course, Zach keeps trying to call Lainey to talk to her. The brother, Simon, picks up the phone at one point. He's like, fuck you, asshole, and hung up the phone. Fuck you, asshole. And then Zach is getting ready to go to prom, but he doesn't take Taylor. Thank God. He ends up taking Mac to the prom, his sister, which was cute. I was like, okay, you know what? At least he didn't settle for a fucking crazy bitch. And this is where Kevin Pollack finally really enters the movie. Yes, because Lainey is not going to go to prom. She's just in her basement painting and the dad comes down and gives her a little pep talk. Yeah, his pep talk is really nice. He goes, you know, sometimes I forget we're a team, but you can't be like an adult. You're fucking 17. Yeah, she says at one point, like, we're a team, you know, because she basically had to grow up really fast to help her dad raised Simon and keep the family together and it's hard when you're in that kind of situation obviously for a kid and you forget that you're a kid sometimes so yeah he encourages her to go to prom and he says that there's a guy upstairs waiting to take her to prom and I didn't say a word and I'm like waiting for Scott to be like oh is it Freddie Prince Jr. and that's exactly what he did he's like wait is it Freddie Prince Jr. oh oh no it's gonna be Paul Walker yeah, I had the, I had the realization. I'm like, no, wait, we just saw Freddie Prince Jr. with Mac. It's not going to be him. But that's literally what everybody does when they see it. They're like, oh, wait, did he come and get her? You no. want <laughs> you watch this movie, you want the romance to happen. Yeah. That's when you know these movies are successful is when you actually want the romance to actually happen. Paul Walker shows up at Lainey's house with the tux and he's like, I didn't ask anybody else because I, f- I wanted to come here and see if you'd say yes. Ugh. He's like playing very nice, but it's it's we soon find out it's all bullshit, which we kind of knew already. But yeah, so he takes her to prom. She's looking fucking fine as fuck. Zach and Lainey at one point catch eyes and they, but they don't talk to each other because what was them? And he ends up dancing, I think, once with Taylor. And it's like well, vomit in my mouth. Well, Taylor like forces herself like upon him. Yeah, basically. But uh now's the time scott we we got to talk about this dance so (laughs) at this point we are about an hour and 16 minutes into the movie yeah maybe even a little less so (laughs) they literally have gone on record the people that made this movie saying we added a whole prom dancing sequence simply for padding because for the next like five minutes this movie turns into a fucking musical i'm like okay 
<laughs> I don't know how... This guy has not existed probably since the early 2000s, but Fat Boy Slim. Oh, boy. He has a song called Rockefeller Skank, and they literally play almost the entirety of this song. Yeah, it's at least like three to five minutes of just Fat Boy Slim and choreographed dancing. That apparently Usher taught everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, Usher had the time to teach all you yes, people the campus, to dance. The campus DJ's like, now do it like I taught you, and then it just goes to this number. Which has... I think almost none of the principal cast except Taylor. No, yeah, she she leads the girls' side of it, but yeah, none of the other guys or gals, I think, are dancing in this number. Uh, but it's just funny watching them do this song, and we're like, dude, this goes on a while. Like, you could have expanded Kevin Pollock's role in this movie. You could have. You could have had more of an emotional moment with... Kevin Pollock, but no, this is better. Let's just dance to Fat Boy Slim for three minutes. We had a fight between Freddie Prince Jr. and his father. That could have lasted longer. Yeah. We we could have had anything to give more emotional character development to anybody, but instead we chose to do a Fat Boy Slim music number. Okay. Which That's it- not necessarily a bad decision. It's just a decision that was made. <laughs> That goes on way too long, but finally we get through this dance number. And it's time to announce prom king and prom queen. But before that happens, Dean has Preston and a bunch of the other guys in the bathroom. He goes, I bought this hotel key because I'm going to nail Lainey in room 409. Yeah, baby. And Preston's like, dude. No, you aren't. Yeah, literally all the guys are like, dude, you're not, Lainey's not going to fuck you. <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, come on, it's going to happen, boys. It's prom night. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get my dick wet. Ew. Okay. <laughs> so what happens next is great, actually. Everybody leaves the bathroom, all the guys. They're like, yeah, no, oh my God, yeah. And then they leave and it's dead silent. And then you wait a couple of seconds and Jesse comes out of the stall and he's like, Oh, shit. And then he runs and he goes to get Mac, Zach's sister, and tells her what he heard. And then they run down to the fucking actual like prom part where they're announcing prom king and queen. And uh, this they, is they don't go get Lainey. No, they call for Zach. They keep calling for Zach, which I don't understand. Lainey's still there. Like, why aren't you trying to find Lainey? Because I think... I think this was edited wrong. Yeah, I feel like the editing was unclear here. Because I think what's supposed to be here is Lainey leaves with Dean. Before, yeah. Before, like once the, they make the announcement, Lainey and Dean leave. Mm-hmm. And, and then Jesse comes and in then Jesse with Mac. And Mac are supposed to run down. Right. But it, it is edited that they run down and Lainey has not left yet. Right. It's It's a little weird. But they do announce that Zach, of course, is prom king. And it's apparently the closest vote for prom queen in the school's history. It's like 54 to 46, something of that nature. And Taylor wins. 
and half the half the school is pissed but half the school is clapping and Lainey handles it with class she's like you know what the right person won and then she looks to Dean she's like let's get out of here so they leave and Jesse and Mac are on the side of the stage calling for Zach well it's funny because Zach's giving like this speech yeah clearly trying to like reach out to Lainey in this speech and Jesse gets his attention he hands the microphone to Taylor and Taylor starts to go, well, 50% of you made the right decision. The other ones, and then <laughs> the principal <laughs> pulls the mic cord, like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, but yeah, Jesse and Mac tell Zach that Dean left with Lainey and yeah, he's taking her somewhere to a hotel room. And he runs after them, doesn't get them before they drive off. So he gets in his car and starts driving around looking for them calling different hotels it's actually very sweet because he knows exactly what paul walker's planning to do so he's like trying to stop that from happening so the other thing is so now we cut to laney arriving home yes and i sat there and i'm thinking i remember so vividly the idea maybe because i well i've never seen this movie but maybe it's another teen movie that's, that's similar to this yeah probably where the freddie prince jr character finds the hotel opens the door and right. the Dean character is fucking another girl that's not Lainey. Yeah, yeah. I think that sounds like something that probably has happened in another movie. You know what I mean? But yeah, Lainey shows up at home. Kevin Pollock is sitting there in the living room and he's like, hey, Lainey, can you come here for a second? And she's like, oh, dad, I'm so tired. And she walks in the living room and she sees Freddie Prince Jr. standing there. And she's like, <gasps> and he's like, oh, you're so beautiful. And he's like, um, okay, you guys need to talk, I see. So why don't you go in the backyard? I'm going up to bed. So they go out in the backyard and they talk and they confess their love. And he tells her like, oh, Jesse told me that Dean was taking you to some hotel room. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, sexual harassment is a, a real serious issue these days. So uh, I always carry this around. And she pulls out a little air horn. <laughs> And she's like, I held it up to his ear. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't cause any permanent damage. <laughs> I always thought that was such a fucking great moment. Because she's so calm and like chill about it. She's like, yeah, I fucking blew out his eardrums. <laughs> yeah, and then he asks her for the last dance. And she's like, no. You can have the first. Which so is, cute. it's a cute line because you think about it like, the last dance usually means like, oh, it's the end of the night. This is over. This is done. There's nothing after this. But clearly there's going to be more. This is just the beginning. Yeah. So it's like a cute little like moment. And of course, Kevin Pollack then plugs in all the Christmas lights that he clearly probably hasn't taken down since Christmas. Well, it's like, you know, <laughs> backyard lights on the bushes and stuff. And it you know makes it all romantical by their pool they have a pool too everybody in this fucking movie has a pool <laughs> well it's california yeah i get it i get it yeah they have a really sweet moment he says you know i made that bet before i ever knew you laney before i really knew me it's very cheesy they parody this also in not another team movie it's cute as fuck though i don't care <laughs> it is. You, you get away with it because of their chemistry it's fine they're like so, okay so what happens now oh you know laney says i go to art school and He's like, yeah, maybe I'll go to art school too. You know, performative art. Be silent, be still, be silent, be still. And Lainey's just like, shut the fuck up. And then they kiss and it's so cute. And then <laughs> you think the movie's over because, <laughs> you know, romantical happy ending. But no, we need to finish this bet. What is? What do you lose with this bet? 
And he goes, don't worry about it, you'll see. So we get to graduation day. We're panning over everybody, you know, everybody's seemingly happy. Taylor's all by herself now. She's lost her crew. Smoking a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette. <laughs> Dean is deaf still. Oh, yeah, that was funny. They keep calling his name, and he's like, I can't hear. And then little Kim is like, they're calling you. What? <laughs> they're calling you. <laughs> and then finally, we pan over to Freddie Prince Jr., who's wearing the cap, the honor roll, the honor sash. roll sash, and holding a soccer ball in front of his junk because uh, he is stark naked. Yep. They call his name. He comes up. Throws the soccer ball to Lainey, who's all happy and laughing and smiling. <laughs> all of you can see my man's penis. Now, mind you, this is incredibly unrealistic. Scott, you want to talk about what happened when we graduated high school? So, yeah. So, <laughs> and so this this would never... Go, go ahead. Yeah, this would never happen. <laughs> you kept joking. Oh, this is a very liberal school. So, when, when me and Frankie graduated high school, it was... A hundred and three degrees outside. It was awful. We were wearing, of course, the black robes. And they told all the guys we were supposed to wear slacks underneath these robes. Me and my buddy, Michael Pagano. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike. Decided we weren't going to do that. So we both wore shorts underneath these gowns. Meanwhile, mind you, the girls could wear dresses, and they didn't really have a length requirement, I think, for dresses. No. But the guys had to wear long pants <laughs> on this 100-something degree day, and there was like, how many fucking kids in our class? Like, hundreds. There was about 400. Yeah. So it was a long fucking day to sit there in the sun. Continue. So... Apparently, me and Mike were the only two that were smart enough to wear shorts. Which I doubt. It's probably the only two that got caught. Probably. But they literally were like, they called us down to the office. And they're like, you have to call your parents because if you don't get slacks, we're not going to let you walk. (laughs) That's the dumbest fucking thing ever. So they called both our mothers and both of our mothers came down and literally said, are you out of your goddamn mind? It is 100 degrees outside. They're walking. <laughs> and basically, the school walked. Yeah, because it's the dumbest fucking shit. It's not like you... Wa- this is why I say this last scene in the movie is completely unrealistic. If you and our friend got in trouble for wearing shorts to graduation, I highly doubt that anyone would let Freddie Prince Jr., no matter how great his dick may be, Show up <laughs> with nothing on but a cap, a sash, and a soccer ball. But I digress. Uh, but the fucking the fucking school system, man. It's wild. We had a lot of drama at our graduation. Oh, yeah. Didn't some kid get arrested? Yep, he got arrested. Oh, God. Such drama. Oh, good times. <laughs> oh, yeah, girl. So, yeah, that was She's All That. And Scott. I would say she is all that. What'd you say that? <laughs> Come on, Rachel Lee Cook is gorgeous. Let's Rachel call. Lee Cook is beautiful. I mean, Josie and the Pussycats is like two years after this. She's the bomb. We also did a review on that. So if you want to check that out, please do. Because Josie and the Pussycats, I feel like, is super underrated, as is this movie, I think. I mean, this movie isn't, you know, anything spectacular or anything, but it's just a good, solid 90s rom com. I think like, not, it's fun. I think not another teen movie has kind of made this movie become f- more forgotten 
Because I didn't even realize how much Not Another Teen Movie basically copied the plot it's, of this yeah, movie. Yeah, it's basically this movie. Just of a few tweaks. Right. One of the tweaks being Chris Evans walking out with a whipped cream mankini. <laughs> Which, as a tween girl, I certainly enjoyed. But you know what? I remember loving this movie when I was younger. As an adult, I can look back at it now and be like, you know, it's it's pretty simple. But it doesn't always need to be like an in-depth, you know, serious character study to be a good movie. Um, I had this rated as a three out of five before. And I kept it as a three out of five. I think it's just a solid, fun movie. The tagline on top of the DVD says uh, it's hip, smart, and hilarious. Which, um, hip and smart, I, I'll give it. Hilarious might be a bit of a stretch, but I, I laughed. Yeah. I had fun. Yeah, I, I have to say, I flirted actually with a 3.5. So it's probably actually like a 3.25 in my head. I, I would agree with that, yeah. But uh, yeah, I ended up rounding down. I gave it a 3. It's, it's a good, cute movie. It's got a lot of stars in it. Yeah, it's definitely a, a nice trip in the Wayback Machine, which is fun. I think it moves at a good pace. I think it's got some good humor. If you like these type of movies, like these rom-com type of movies, you'll have a good time with it. If you're a late 90s, early 2000s connoisseur, this is a must-see. I, I feel like the rom-com genre in general just isn't the same anymore. Oh, no, it's definitely not. I just saw a trailer for a rom-com the other day that was, like, incredibly problematic. It's got uh, Priyanka Chopra and the guy from fucking Outlander in it. And I watched the trailer just because I was curious. I think it was probably before a YouTube video or something. And it's like Priyanka Chopra's husband dies. And she, out of grief, sometimes texts his phone number. But... Someone Some else. other guy got his phone number and he starts basically stalking her. He doesn't text back like pretending to be her husband or anything, but he like will stalk her and like, you know, find out her likes and dislikes through this like ghosty interaction. <laughs> and then he meets her in real life and then they develop a relationship. And then I'm guessing at some point she realizes that he was using her dead husband's phone to get with her. Which is incredibly problematic and gross and horrible. <laughs> Why do I feel like this is just as bad as Wonder Woman 1984? Oh my god, Wonder Woman 1984 is... Yeah, that's that's also really rough. That's not necessarily rom-com though, but it's got that kind of... I don't know what rom-coms have turned into now. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. The last one I saw was Holidate. And that was not great. Oh boy. So yes... That was She's All That. Yeah, I would say this rom-com is far superior than a lot of the more modern rom-coms of today. But next week we will be taking a break. We're actually taking the break this week. I know last time we said we were taking a break, we were lying. But uh, we're not this time. We are actually taking a break for a week and coming back 
on June 7th for another Disney episode. Yay! Yay! But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And check out all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our magical savoir faire full movie adventure case dismissed bringing the dancing lobsters oh not amanda bynes no wrong movie (laughs) 